Well, praise God. Are you guys ready to get in the Word this morning? I'm so excited about this series. It's so foundational, uh, but it's so important. All of our sin, the weight and judgment of all of the curse of the law, all sickness, all disease, all poverty, all lack, all spiritual death was literally placed on him. And because of that, you and I were actually, when we accepted Christ, were actually made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You, you, you've been made righteous. You're not clothed in righteousness because you could take clothes off. You can't take off righteousness. It's who you are. Isn't that amazing? So when a Christian, you know, it, God is a God who would have all men to be saved, but he's also the man, the God who would have all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the truth, we know from John 17, 17, is the truth is his word, right? So when a Christian chooses to obey what the Holy Spirit is leading him to do, Here's the number one way the Holy Spirit's going to always lead you, that you live in this book, right? That you meditate. As you read the Bible, there'll be things that jump off the page. And when that scripture jumps off the page, man, you write it down, you keep it before you, and you start confessing it over your life because the word is never to not be in abundance in your heart. It's to be in abundance in your heart, and it's to always be coming out of your mouth. If the word is always coming out of your mouth, it will be in abundance in your heart. If the word is ab in abundance in your heart, that means it's always coming out of your mouth. Do you see that spiral? You speak the word of God to get it into your heart. And see... The Bible says this, that your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. In other words, the Holy Spirit has this pen that he writes the word of God on your heart. Okay? That, that pen that he uses is your tongue. So what happens as a Christian begins to do that? Here we go with the bottle of water again. So God's word, words are containers, they contain his thoughts, right? So the water would be his thoughts, right? So God's thoughts will shape you and form you. The Bible says that the light that comes out of the word of God was the development of men. In other words, the word of God is spiritual food. It is the only way you can grow. So what happens a Christian just makes a decision. I don't understand how this works. I don't even understand what I'm reading. Whatever. Don't worry about that because this isn't like school. Okay? This isn't intellectual. This is not academic. I am not speaking to your mind today. I'm speaking directly, or I should say it this way. The Holy Spirit will take the words that I'm speaking and he'll speak directly to your spirit. And if you'll take that word and start meditating in it, like today, when we go to some scriptures, there's going to be some things that jump out at you. It, it usually, especially like one thing, right? 
But I'm telling you, it's worth an hour of your time to get one thing because one word from God can change your whole life. The subject of righteousness is all about you being introduced to who you've been made in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, the enemy's work is over in your life, right? You'll stop feeling sorry for yourself. You'll get the wine out of your voice, right? You'll get it completely out of your voice. And all of a sudden, you'll start to see life in a different light. So what happens is you start meditating in the word of God. And, and you're doing that to get the word of God down in your heart because it's not about what you're just listening to or what you're reading. You have to renew your mind to the word of God. So in other words, the word right now, as you, as you put it first place and you speak it, it'll start getting down on the inside of you. And once it's down there, the Holy Spirit will literally open his word on the inside of you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the entrance of your word brings light. And that, that literally, that Hebrew word entrance means the opening of your word brings light. It brings understanding to the simple. So all of a sudden, when that word opens up on the inside of you, now you see something. See, you'll never move in a direction you don't see. You'll never even predominantly speak only anything. You'll never speak anything consistently that you don't see. So if you look at your speech right now, you'll know what's on the inside of you, right? Because if the word is inside of you in abundance, then now your mouth will speak out of your spirit, which is full of the word. If the word of God is not in abundance in your heart, if you just kind of get in the word when you're here at church and you forget about it the rest of the time, guess what you're going to speak out of? You're going to speak out of that part of your mind that's unrenewed. And, and when you do that, you'll speak death over yourself, over situations that you're actually believing God for something, but you're speaking death over it, right? You actually start opposing yourself. And if you're, if you're not careful... You, with your own words of death that are contrary to the word of God, you will build a vain imagination in your mind that could ultimately, you could ultimately build that into a stronghold that takes you a prisoner. Thank God the anointing, and today the anointing is here, and the anointing completely destroys strongholds. It doesn't, it doesn't dismantle them, it destroys them. It completely destroys them so they can't be rebuilt again. So when a Christian, I said all that to say this, when a Christian meditates in the word, now the Holy Spirit starts etching the word of God on, on your heart. And when you're seeing the word, guess what you'll do? You'll speak the word. So in other words, you speak the word to get it in your heart, and then you speak the word because it's in your heart. And that's how the word never departs out of your mouth. It's not something you try to do. You can't fake this. So you can't go home today and go, okay, pastor said I got to talk right. Okay, I'm just going to try real hard. Oh, there's no life in that. Right? All those little principalities and powers and demons that are set against you, what will they do? They know everything that worked on your ancestors. They know everything that's worked on you. They'll start pushing buttons. These demonic powers that knew your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, 
That's how come sometimes you get thoughts that are crazy. They're just fishing, right? They're like, oh, let me try this bait. Let me try this bait. But there's a way to stand against all of it. Because when you become, and this is why I said this, when you become word conscious, when you live your life and you're conscious of the word, when you get pressed on the outside, the word comes up on the inside. When you become word conscious, now you become God conscious. Not before. But once you're word conscious and God conscious, now you will be able to be righteous conscious. Or in other words, once you're conscious of God's word in your life first, you will be conscious of God in your life, which will cause you to be conscious that you've been made righteous, which will cause you to stop being self-aware, which is selfishness and self-centeredness. How do you stop being selfish? Well, you gotta be word conscious. Conscious, what does the Bible say? Because see, these words, they affect you. God is irresistible. So as we get in the word today, I would venture to say, I mean, all of the 20-some pages of notes that I have, I don't have any scriptures that I would say that I haven't gone through a lot over 16 years. But I'll guarantee you today, if you're hungry, they'll be brand new. And God will start causing you to see deeper. But think about it that way. If you're taking notes, man, word conscious equals being conscious of God in every area of your life, which causes you what? to be righteous, conscious, and now you could walk free from this sin nature that's in your flesh that causes you to be so self-aware and self-conscious. Right? Do you know you never have interpersonal conflict because of the interpersonal conflict? It's all because of the inner conflict that's in you. If you, have, if you are not happy with yourself, not, if, you're, if you know, man, I, just, I have inner turmoil, it will cause you to have interpersonal conflict. So what Satan tries to do, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen churches, the first church where I really found the call of God in my life was completely blown apart, ended up closing this pastor who is probably, probably the greatest pastor I had ever known, He's, he loved people like nobody I had ever imagined, went back, you know, had a couple nervous breakdowns, heard all kinds of horrible things that he went through. I pray that God sorted it all out for him. But, but the people who started it, man, it was all because of the inner turmoil that was in their own life. Right? It's really amazing. Satan is an accuser, and he's always accusing. Today, he's going to try to accuse you constantly so that he could get you pointed inwardly at your inadequacies because when you are self-aware, you're not God-aware, and you're not righteous-aware, and you're not word-aware, right? So you've heard me say this. If this is the word of God, 
and this is your circumstances. If the word is here and your circumstances fall below the word, the circumstances of your life will never move you. But the minute it goes like this, I don't care how many scriptures you could quote. I don't care that, you know, you have a face shield tattooed to your chest, right? And you've read every book by Brother Hagen. It doesn't matter. The word won't move you anymore, right? It doesn't matter that you, man, God moved in your life and just did a miracle and radically changed your life. You've got to maintain that, right? So this is why we're talking about these things. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, hallelujah. Verse 17, we, we started talking about this at the end of second service last week. Um, so I'm going to start here today, and we're just going to go through this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man, that's male or female, be in Christ... He is a new creature, right? Christianity is not a religion. God didn't come and, 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 and say some things to improve your life. You're not the new, improved version. No, 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 you're, just, you're the new version, brand new. You're a new creature. That word means a new creation, one that's never existed before. When you accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit came into you and took out the spirit man that you were that is dead and separated from God and put a brand new spirit in you. The Bible even defines this new creature word in the Greek as an original form. When God made you, that form was broken. There's only one of you. There's never been another one of you. There never will be another one of you, right? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. What's passed away? Spiritual death, right? That's passed away from you. The sin nature is gone. Your spirit, the Bible says, your spirit can't even sin. The, the, the sin nature's gone. The self-aware, the self-centered, and the selfishness is completely gone out of your spirit. You're not selfish. In your spirit, your spirit's not concerned about itself. Which means you're, you're literally walking in the love of God. You could even say this for a Christian, where it says God is love. Guess what? You have been made love. Romans tells us that, that tells us that when the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of us, this new creature that we are, because see, you're not a body, right? You are a spirit that possesses a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's connected. Now we break it up to study it, but it's connected, and you live in a physical body. But when you got saved, your spirit was made brand new. You got the first fruits of your salvation. And now the Holy Spirit's in there. He sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. So now you have the mind of Christ. You're able to see yourself 
as you've been made in Christ, you're able to see Jesus, what he has done, and you're able to see others. It gives you a new perspective in life, right? When you're born again. But here's the problem. Sometimes that perspective gets clouded because the control center of your life is your soulish realm, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And what will happen is Satan will throw thoughts in your mind or he will have thrown thoughts in your mind based on everything you've been through all the way back to when you were a little kid. And, and he will work on little kids trying to build detrimental thought processes in their mind so that they get, they get, a, they get solidified in a way of thinking. So now... This person's born again, but they still think, they still have junk in their mind that they've got to get out. And here's the thing, we don't have the fullness of our salvation yet. If I had the fullness of my salvation, I would not look the way I look. If you were to see my spirit, man, as good as I looked when I was, you know, 25, 27, I look even better than that on the inside. Because my spirit is not subject to age. It's not subject to sickness and disease. It's not subject to anything. But I still have this flesh that's subject to all these things. And so the enemy will come at me with lies to try to get me to take them. But if I will renew my mind with the word of God, because so, the word of God is the only thing that will pull all this junk out of your mind. I don't care what's happened to you in your past. You're born again. Your spirit was never touched. All of the hurts and all of the wounds, all of the abuse, all that's left is a remnant in your mind and the word of God will pull it out. To the point when God heals, there is no scar. So you may have looked and look at yourself and go, man, I was sexually abused. I was, this happened to me, that happened to me. And you'll, you'll still always have a mental recollection like, wow, that happened to me, but I can't feel it anymore. It's almost like it wasn't me, right? You won't be able to touch it anymore with your emotions when you renew your mind. But what happens to a Christian if they don't put the word first so that they're word conscious, conscious of God, conscious of being righteous, right? And they get free from this self-centeredness. The enemy will, will do what? He'll throw thoughts in your mind that will connect with your flesh. And your flesh will want you to do things because it has that old nature. It's all about yourself. It'll want you to do things that are contrary to the word of God. You know, Pastor Dave talked about how that God's, Jesus' yoke, it's easy, his burden's light. You know what the Bible says is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. When you try to live your life violating what God's word says, that's hard. Really hard. You know, live your life as a Christian and never honor God in your finances. That's inner turmoil. You're, try, you're trying to get ahead in life and even if you end up getting ahead in life, you're still miserable. 
And there's still, there's still a curse that you've been redeemed from is still able to mess with you, right? Try to live your Christian life when you don't forgive. It just doesn't work. God says, man, take my yoke upon you because my yoke's easy, my burden is light. Because the walk of faith is rest, right? So this is what happens to a Christian. This is why we have to realize when we got born again, old things passed away, old things, the sin nature, right? All of that spiritual death stuff, all the self-centered stuff. Now for the first time, your spirit, the new spirit that's in there was completely circumcised and cut away from your flesh. Now your flesh does not affect your spirit. For somebody in the world, they don't really have a chance because their spirit is connected to that flesh nature. Right? That's why the Bible says they are by nature the children of wrath. And it will look two ways. One way a person just is a heathen, has a heathen lifestyle and just lives their life contrary to everything God would say. But then there's this other way it expresses itself too. The, a morally good person who thinks they're great and may, may even donate money and donate their time and go to church and do all these religious acts. But guess what? They're still just as lost. Because you can't be good enough to be made righteous. There's nothing we could have ever done. The only way to be made righteous is you have to believe that what God said Jesus did, you have to believe that he did that for you. That's it. Isn't that good news? You can't mess that up. It's so good. It says here, behold, all things are become new. New where? New on the inside. Now, as a Christian, your life is God-centered. Now, because we have really, ever since, man, right after the 1900s, some crazy doctrine had started being preached, and it started getting more and more and more watered down. Now, not everywhere, but predominantly, especially in this country. And so now we have Christians that have no clue who they are. They have no clue that they've been made righteous, and they live their life with all these options. I have an option whether or not I want to go to church when God says, I want you in church. I have an option whether or not I'm going to read my Bible. When God says, no, 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 you, the word of God is to be first place in your life. All these options. So this is why we preach the word because there's no hope for a Christian to ever find out who they are until they start getting word conscious. So they gotta, you got to have the word taught to you, right? So you could see some different things. So listen, live your life. Don't get down on your brothers and sisters. If they mess up, if they hurt you, whatever, pray for them. If it bothers you, if somebody does something to you and it really bothers you, realize you're self-aware. And that means you're not word conscious or righteous conscious. And, and, and get back in the word so that you can walk free from that, so that you can live your life out of the inside. 
Because guys, we're to walk like Jesus on this earth. Do you know how many, I mean, in a very short period of time, we're going to stand before the Lord and all this stuff we've been spending all our energy on is going to mean nothing. Everything, everything that we've done apart from him is going to mean nothing. Like, I'll tell you, there's Christians who their whole eternity are going to talk about their career. What? What do you mean, the career? Oh, yeah. Because whatever, wherever God places you, that is to be a form of worship. Don't minimize what you're doing. I don't care what it is, right? Don't judge the importance of what you do by how much you make. And please, as a Christian, don't judge your lifestyle by what money you're making. Because with God, God has a way of blessing way beyond, right? And if he's called you somewhere, man, you be excited about that. And you put him first and you let him bless the work of your hands. Because he'll send you into places, not for you, but to reach people, right? I love that. So now, the result of this interchange, what, what came as a result of it? <clears throat> Courage and boldness. Daniel 11.32 at the end of that verse says, but they that know their God will be strong. That word in the Hebrew language for strength means they will be courageous enough to seize hold of things and will do exploits. Go ahead and put Daniel 11.32 up on the screen because I want people to see it. Look at the end of that verse. But the people that do know their God shall be strong. That means courageous enough to seize hold of things and they will do exploits. That means they will do things beyond their own ability. God will never call you to do anything according to your ability. When God calls you to do something, you'll never be able to go, okay, well, this will be easy. Because to do it God's way, it'll be like, oh, gosh. I literally can't do that the way God wants me to without him. Right? And he wants to do everything with you. Boldness and courage come as a result of this. So now 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in verse 18. Let's look at that scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 now. It says, behold, all things become new, right? And now it says here in the next verse, and all things are of God. One translation says it this way that's very accurate in the Greek. And this is the work of God. So verse 17, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and this is the work of God. Wow. See, in other words, that all the spiritual changes that took place when you got born again, they're all of God. Who's God? He's the one who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ reconciled. This word means a mutual exchange happened. In other words, 
the God of heaven sent his son and he exchanged his son for you. That's how precious you are to him. Wow. So I wonder if he was willing to do that, wouldn't he freely give you all things? Yeah, the Bible even says he will. It, this, this literally means a one-for-one -one spiritual exchange. And it also has within this word to reestablish and to restore a relationship that was once broken. So when he makes you new, now the relationship is completely restored that was lost when Adam sinned. Isn't that amazing? So now God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be with you. Who has reconciled us to himself, so God the Father reconciled you to himself, how? By Jesus Christ. But here's the other part of it, and this is what's gonna happen in this series. Because when he reconciles you to himself, what happens in your life when you realize what God has done for you? Man, do you realize all of us would have split hell wide open? Wide open. We had no chance of ever, ever, ever seeing God, knowing God, no chance of anything. We had, no, we had eternal, we did have eternal something in us, it's eternal death. But now, Wow, there was an exchange made. And because when we know this, right after it says, and he has given unto us, or given to us, the ministry of reconciliation. You are called into the ministry, that word reconciliation means, you're called into the ministry of exchange. Exchange what? Not works, no, no, by grace through faith. In other words, you are called and anointed and appointed and sent by God in this generation, in your area, to be light. To tell people, hey, you've been given an anointing to talk about the exchange. So, so here it is. Here's your evangelism class. You're actually anointed to tell people that God sent his son, Jesus, to take your place, to pay your debt so that you could literally have his life. That's it. Now that sounds so simple. But that simple message with the anointing of the Holy Spirit on it to wake up a person's conscience, you say that to somebody, they might laugh in your face. But as you walk away, that'll never leave them. It'll just always be there. I love you so much, I sent my son to take your place. Right? No, no judgment. What does the world try to preach about God? Oh, he's going to get you. Right? Like one youth said to me when I was a youth pastor in Southern California. I go, so tell me, what's your story? He goes, listen, here's my deal. My mom and dad make me go to church. And he goes, but here's my deal with God. I'm not going to mess with him, and I don't want him to mess with me. And he was very serious. Wow, right? You know, you know the number one reason why he was like that as we got to know him, as he ended up giving his heart to Christ and becoming a wonderful leader? 
is his parents lived one way at church and another way at home. The hardest environment, Jake and Alicia, your hardest. It's not that person who's out there just blowing it and then you tell them about Jesus and their life has changed forever. No, it's, it's the Christian whose parents are sitting in church, but the dad, he struggles with this anger issue and he's one way at home and another way at church, right? Or, or the mom who's so spiritually mature that she walks in this incredible gift of discernment and she beats her husband up every day of his life and the kids see that and go, ugh, right? I sat across the table from a young man that I met and uh, his parents at the time were in our church and man, the mother was so incredibly spiritually mature there was Jesus could not compare to the spiritual maturity in this lady. Right? Yeah. And I sat across the table at lunch with this young man. And he goes, yeah, you know, I grew up. I went to Christian school. I grew up in church. And he, and he, and he made me promise that I would never tell his parents. But he goes, I want nothing to do with Jesus Christ because of the way I saw my mom be. There's no way that Jesus is real because of the way she was. So see, our life preaches, doesn't it? So it depends on what we're preaching. So look at this, verse 19 now. To wit, now he's going to explain this reconciliation, this mutual exchange that reestablished relationship. To wit, or in the King James, it would, in modern English, it would say that is. That God was in Christ. God the Father was in Christ in the same way that Jesus is in us. And what was he doing? Reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus said this, he goes, I only say what I hear my father say. Boy, do I get that as a pastor, because right now, I'm, I'm saying what I hear. That happens, that's just the way it happens with me. So many times what I hear on the inside, it is so much better than what I'm hearing on the outside, what I say. But the Holy Spirit makes up the difference there, right? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Do you know Jesus by, the, by his spirit will be in you and will reconcile your world to himself? Never think that the work of salvation has anything to do with you. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. However, it won't happen because you are the body of Christ. You have to want it to happen. So he's going to speak through you. He's going to minister through you. Many times, you're, you're not saying anything. You're just, you're just living your life. And people are just watching you. And the Holy Spirit is like, look at the way they're handling that. And then all of a sudden, after so many years, they come to you when they're going through a hard time and go, hey, I've seen you face some stuff. Why are you always happy? Right? And you could just look at them and say, hey, it's not me, it's Jesus. Because everything about you, everything about you is made to reap fruit in this earth. Right? I mean, it's crazy. You know, we had... 
we had a couple young girls who lost their dad to cancer when we first started the church. And I, you know, you know me, if you're around here, I'm hugging everybody, right? And uh, so, so I'd always give them a hug. And one, the, the one daughter, she looked at me and she goes, you know, I just love it when you hug me. And I go, really? I go, why? And she says, because my dad had gigantic hands like yours. And when you put your hands and hug me, it literally takes me back. And it's like my dad's hugging me. God will use everything about you to tell people there's been an exchange made. And if you'll delight in the word, Psalm 1-3 says you'll yield all of your fruit while you're on the earth. Wow. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How did he do that? Not imputing. This means not accounting their trespasses unto them. In other words, how did God do it? Listen, when Jesus, when he came, and now throughout the whole church age, God's, God is not accounting man's sins to them. In other words, Nothing anybody has ever done is standing between them and God. The only thing between every human being, I don't care what they've done, if they're a mass murderer on death row, their sin is not separating them from God. The only thing between them and God now is Jesus. And it's a bridge. That's how God is... is reconciling the world back to himself because he's not. So people, people will be like, well, you know, I'm just not good enough. And man, I've done so many things. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. God has removed all that off to the side. Now, if a person lives their whole life and rejects what Jesus did by their own will, then guess what? All of that sin that was moved over to the side that was literally paid for in the body of Jesus, they will literally be judged at the great white throne judgment for all of it and then lost in eternity. And God finds no pleasure in that. If you even read that interaction, the all-knowing God asks for the books to be opened again. Hey, let's check one more time. Is their name in the Lamb's book of life? And do you know this book in heaven, do you know every name starts out in the book? You don't get your name written in that book. But if you choose to reject that sacrifice, your name is blotted out of that book when you pass from the earth. But even God, he's like, hey, let's just check one more time, just in case. Because he's the God who wants everybody saved. Right? It says here, he's not imputing their trespasses unto them, so man's sins have been paid for and hath committed uh, unto us. This word committed in the Greek, he has placed us in the word of reconciliation. So he has literally placed you into the ministry of telling people about Jesus. So that's why there's so much inner turmoil in the church right now because nobody's telling anybody about Jesus. Why? Do you know the number one reason why people don't witness? This is hilarious. Well, I don't know what to say. 
he's, he's placed us in the word of reconciliation. In other words, he, he gave us what to say. Do you know why people care about and don't witness? Because I don't know what to say. What if, what, if I'm, what if I'm asked the question that I can't answer? And you know, it's just not my personality. And, and you know, uh, what if I, I just don't want to upset people? And you know, I, I just, oh, so this is all about you. Oh, so now we know you're, you're self-aware. Oh, that's great. That's cool. We found it out now. So if you're self-aware, that means you're not aware that you've been made righteous. Oh, but the reason why that you're not aware that you've been made righteous is because you're not really conscious that God loves you unconditionally and he's in your life. And the reason why you're not God conscious is because you just haven't been in the word. So stop beating yourself up. I don't want a show of hands of how many have led somebody to Christ in their lifetime. You know, because probably not a lot of hands would be risen. But let's change that. Man, save people want to save people. Do you know in the same way hurt people want to hurt people? Right? The amplified version of verse 19 is wonderful because it brings out these parenthetical definitions in the Greek. It says, it was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. Isn't that awesome? So when you're out talking to somebody and they're like, oh, you know, God, man, I, you know, he, I just, he's God, I'm just a mess. Oh, no, no, God is not mad at you at all. There's no way he could be mad at you because he condemned all of your sin legally in the body of Jesus 2,000 years ago. So right now, he is just standing. He wants in your life. He wants to help you, right? So verse 20, let's keep going. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we're called into the ministry of reconciling the world. We're given the words to say. And now we are put in an office. We are now ambassadors. That means now, not only have I been given this ministry of reconciliation, not only have I been given the word of it, but now I'm empowered an ambassador is one who is empowered and who is sent to deliver a message for another. So because you're righteous, now you've been placed into the ministry of reconciling the world, you've been given the word of reconciliation, and now you've actually been empowered and you've been sent to do it. So everybody you are around, guess what? Most likely, they're your fruit. Right? And if you're sitting here going, well, you know, I really have no real, just hardly any interaction with people at all. Well, go sit in your chair today and take a notepad and start asking the Lord, okay, who is really in my life? Do that for a week. See how big that list is. People who have really no contact, but
but man, they're on the internet all the time. People who play video games until they're blind, right? They, they live in this video world. Guess what? They've got people all over the world that they're, that they're touching. Now, I don't recommend, you know, some of this stuff is crazy. But if you'll go where God leads you, oh my goodness, right? Look at this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. In other words, what is this word? What do we say to people? Listen, Jesus took your place, and now, man, accept the exchange. That's all, that's, how, that's your part. How do you get saved? Just accept it. Listen, I know it sounds too good to be true. That's why the Greek word used is gospel. It's a message that's too good to be true. You've lived your whole life, you're trying to earn everything, but you don't earn this. The God of the universe who formed you in your mother's womb, even though the enemy has worked overtime and done a bunch of junk in your life, don't worry about that. He will make all things new. So just, what, what this is saying is accept the exchange. Can you do that? Say this after me, accept the exchange. Now, those of you who just said that, you just took away every excuse why you should not, because you all said that. You all have PhDs in being an evangelist here, right? It is to be understood that our message is to be regarded as the message of God. Don't, don't worry if people accept it or not. Right? Because when you tell them, accept the exchange, realize that you have been placed in this ministry, you have been given the word to say, you have been empowered to speak for God, and then you were sent. And, and what's so cool, Romans chapter 10 tells us, listen, how can they, how can they what? How can they believe if they don't hear, right? But how can they hear if somebody doesn't preach to them? What's the message? Accept the exchange. Yeah, but man, I'm just a mess. No, 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 that doesn't matter. Yeah, I was one too. Probably the only difference, maybe I was bigger, bigger mess than you, but God, mess is mess. We look at things in degrees. God looks at things in absolute, right? But it says here, how can they preach or how can they hear, and how can they believe if somebody doesn't preach to them, but how can they preach unless they be sent? Guess what? You've been sent. So this is why we teach this, because one thing that's going to happen in your life, as you learn that you've been made the righteousness of Almighty God, and you gain revelation of that, you will want to tell everybody. Amen. Right? So let's keep going. Verse 21. So now we're ready to hear what God did. Now we're, he's going to explain the exchange. For he, verse 21, talking about God the Father, hath made him Jesus. And this word made means made to bear in the Greek. To be sin. This is the Greek word hamartia, the word sin. 
That word hamartia means an innocent sin sacrifice. In other words, God the Father made Jesus an innocent sin sacrifice because he placed all spiritual death, all the weight and judgment of all sickness and disease, spiritual death, poverty and lack, curse of the law on Jesus. We had no idea what that did to him. He didn't sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane just because of what physically was going to happen to him. Hebrew, or I'm sorry, uh, Isaiah 53 tells us in regards to sickness and disease that God the Father literally picked it all up and he bruised his son. And it said it pleased him to completely bruise his son with all sickness and disease. Why? Because so that you could be healed. That's the exchange. He was made poor so that you could be made rich. He was, he was literally made to bear all of the spiritual death, all of the sin, so that you, look at this, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he was, he was made sick so that you could be healed. If you have symptoms in your body, guess what? They have no legal right. Jesus already bore them. You don't have to. Boy, I'll tell you, when you that's part of awakening the righteousness. He was made poor financially so that you could walk in prosperity and in abundance in your life. And then he even put the blessing of Abraham upon you, which will bring you into a full and overflowing supply of finances. Yeah, but I don't have an education and I've done so many things and I'm bankrupt and I've got a criminal record. That doesn't matter. Because when God blesses, listen, let's say in the natural there is no way for you to be blessed. Don't worry about that. He makes a way where there is no way. He opens doors that no man can shut. He also will shut doors that no man can open. So sometimes if a door just slams in your face, stop complaining, start rejoicing. Because sometimes when a door shuts, don't just go, I mean, don't just walk away and rejoice. Look at it and go, okay, wait a minute. Is the enemy trying to shut this door? Because if he is, then God's going to open it. But sometimes when it shuts, oh man, I, you know, when I finally figured out that yes, okay, I'm going to get over myself and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Okay, God, I'm willing to do that. So I'm excited about you getting me back to Southern California so that I could pioneer a church and that my office could be literally Crescent Beach Laguna. I'll set up a table. I will be in your word all day. I'll tell, it, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be this tan, happy, peaceful beach guy that just rocks Southern California for you. And I kept trying to open that door and open that door. But the more I'd bang on that door, the more I'm like, you know, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, I drive over these Mormon bridges. Thank God for the Mormons, right? I drive, drive, I don't think they built the bridge, but whatever. But when I drove over that bridge, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this is where I'm, I was so excited, I didn't even realize, wait, you can't get any further from a beach, 
than Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) But guess what? God, he brings you to where you're supposed to be. Could you imagine trying to be in ministry in Southern California when you're supposed to be here? And all your fruit's here. So look at this. You were made. this Now, you were made the righteousness of God. Let's take a moment with this. It's the Greek word genomai. Made. Genomai. Let's look at this word. It means to begin to be, to come into being, to come into existence. It's something that happens immediately. The minute... You say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Come into my heart. He comes in and you are literally made. That spirit man that you are made in is made righteous. You come into existence righteous. There is no process. This Greek word has no process. It's instant. So the moment you get born again, you're righteous. You might not even know what that is. You you might not even be able to spell it. You might be too young to say it, but you still are the righteousness of Almighty God. Wow. See, it costs God the spiritual death of his son for you to be made righteous. And this happens the moment that you were born again. I was made the righteousness of God in Christ by faith apart from works. Say this with me. I was made made. the righteousness righteousness of Almighty God God. by faith, faith. apart Apart. from works. You couldn't work for it. You couldn't earn it. Oh, we got to renew our minds to this. So here's the deal. All we must do is accept the exchange so that we can walk out of a sin consciousness into being conscious that we've been made righteous. That will change the way you look at everything. You will no longer put up with anything the enemy tries to put on you when you know you're righteous. I'm not putting up with that. Sickness, disease, I'm I'm not going to have knee problems anymore. You can't have my kids. You can't have my grandkids. You get out of my life. I've been given authority. Satan, you have none. I've been made righteous. Right? See, when you're conscious of your sin, what happens? It causes you to fear and draw back. What happens when you're conscious that you've been made righteous? It causes a person to be bold and to draw near. That's the whole thing. Self-centered, you're going to get in fear and you're going you're to draw backwards. Draw away from God. Righteous conscious, you're going to be bold. You get pressed and you're like, right? You're moving in. You're not running from Satan, right? You're standing, right? And you're standing and you're pushing him back until he just flees seven ways, right? And you realize, listen, I've got the spiritual endurance of God. Do you know God has waited a long time for some things? But he's not moved. He's never moved. Satan, 
in righteousness, I'm immovable. Wow. So you gotta accept the fact that there are no works. Don't leave here and just leave here and go, okay, man, I've just gotta, I've gotta live more righteous. No, no. That's holiness. Your behavior's holiness. And holiness only flows out of righteousness. So if you don't know you're righteous, you're not giving up. You're not going to be able to overcome some of these addictions and some of these things. But if you'll focus on giving yourself a break and start to see yourself the way God sees you, all of a sudden there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation. Man, I think, I think of how Satan used smoking cigarettes in my mom's life to heap worthlessness on her. She thought, oh, you know, I'm just this horrible Christian because I smoke a cigarette. Are you kidding me? Now, smoking's not good for your physical body. God doesn't want you to be addicted to anything. But listen, don't let that stop you from the ministry of reconciliation. You just start, you, you get rid of all the guilt, shame, and condemnation. Don't let him heap anything on you. And when you're out there smoking, don't feel like a second-rate Christian. There is no such thing. And don't let it stop you from being a minister. Right? Don't let it stop you. And every time you light that cigarette, Father, I thank you that I'm free from smoking. I thank you that nothing in the world has any power over me. Father, I thank you that I'm free from gluttony. I'm free from overeating. I, Father, I thank you that I eat to, right? I eat to live. I don't live to eat. Now, that's, that's a big thing. But don't feel guilty if you're, if you're living to eat right now. Don't feel guilty because if you do, guess what? All the shame of that will drag you back in. You don't want that. You've already been made free. You've got to accept the fact there's no works we receive this by grace through faith. So you're going to have to throw away this works mentality. You know, we had a wonderful helps ministry banquet. We had, what, like 100 people, right, in, in doing helps ministry. And just wonderful, faithful people. Do you know, it takes a lot of people. We look to the word of God and we see, listen, I have been given a vision for this ministry but there's no way it could, the vision could go forward without helps ministry, right? And for those of you who are not involved, man, get involved. There's some wonderful ministry opportunities here. Don't let anything stop you because it's such a foundational piece of your life. There are people that are called to do things that'll never get there because they won't watch a baby in a nursery. There are businesses that are not increasing because they won't usher. Yeah, I mean, it's foolish. But also don't think, well, I just got to get involved. I got to do everything and I got to be here every day because I just want to be blessed. No, your blessing is not because of that. This is all free, right? Righteousness is not a covering. It is a position that you have because of your nature. 
You've been made righteous, so that gives you a position. I always, I always taught righteousness, it's not a covering, it's a position, but I can't stop there. It's a position that I have because my nature has been changed, right? So you have to put, I am the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You gotta put that deep in your heart and coming out of your mouth. So say this with me. I am, not going to be, I am the very righteousness of God in Christ. Do you believe that? We'll say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I challenge you to say that. And when you're saying that, you realize that righteousness, it literally means I'm in right standing with God. When I draw near, he draws near. His ears are always open to me. All of his promises are yes to me and amen to me. Right? This means my father has literally declared me righteous. In other words, now I am innocent. Say that. I am innocent, free from sin, free from the shame of sin, free from condemnation, free from guilt, free to walk in the presence of God starting right now forever. Wow. Righteousness, the ability to stand in the very presence of God, with no sense of guilt, no sense of inferiority, as if sin has never existed in your life because it's been removed. That's good news. So you must believe and receive that you're the righteousness of Almighty God. You gotta believe that by faith and receive it. You must lay hold of the fact that I am the righteousness of God no matter what. Okay? So for you worship team, I'll help you. I'm kind of, I'm getting ready to close. So, <laughs> praise God. See, you have to be willing to accept this when you're up and when you're down. You gotta be willing to accept it when you mess up. You gotta still be willing to accept it. You're believing God for something and then you just flesh out. Guess what? It did not disqualify you. Just repent, turn around, and then go on. Right? You do this when you're healthy. You believe this when you have sickness trying to come against you. You believe you've been made righteous when you live really holy. And you believe you're righteous when you mess up and walk in sin. You got, you have to, because it's the truth. If Satan can defeat you in this area, he can defeat you in every area. You are righteous. You've accepted Christ. In other words, and I'll close with this, your entire life depends on whether or not you accept 
that the blood of Jesus Christ made you the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. Your very life depends on it. His blood was more than enough. See, we're a free people. Isn't that awesome? When you realize this, it'll cause any bondage in your life to seem like nothing compared to who God is in your life because we have been made to live in his presence. We've been made to live in intimate fellowship with him. He doesn't want anything between you and him. And he puts nothing between you and him, so you and I have to stop putting stuff between you and him. Well, if I just did better, then I'll... No, listen, he's not gonna love you more when you do better. He loves you right now as much as he loves Jesus. It'll never change. Amen?